this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode new recruitment rules for the army navy and air force have met with fierce protests by potential recruits to the services and resistance from respected commentators from the military's retired ranks trains have been burnt and public property destroyed across several north indian states and in telangana so what exactly is agitating these young people who want to make a career out of the armed forces is it the contractual nature of their four year employment will they miss the pensions and perks available to jawans currently serving in the services is agnipath as the scheme is called basically a cost cutting measure from the government to discuss these issues i am joined by ajay shukla writer and commentator on defense and strategic issues who has also served as a colonel in the indian army welcome to the in focus podcast ajay thank you amit pleasure to be here ajay straight to the point what do you make of these protests and why are they happening the protests are basically happening because there has been no recruitment for 2 years the result of the pandemic and now when it looks like we would be ready to to sort of resume recruitment to the army navy and air force this new agnipath scheme has been brought forward by the government which is which says or which mandates that only a certain number of people will be recruited and all the other things that we will talk about during the course of this discussion the terms and conditions which make it seem as if the recruitment is going to get difficult recruitment is going to be for a shorter period of time and that the people who sort of rely on recruitment into the army the traditional recruiting grounds they are all going to suffer so there is deep resentment at this and that's what we are seeing manifesting on the streets ajay you you know you've been you've served in the indian army uh you've been a writer and television commentator on uh, you know issues relating to the armed forces and defense uh, issues for a while did you ever anticipate that we'd see you know because uh, such protests because you know recruitment is something which you you know often see people waiting in queues even if you're traveling around did you ever think it's going to become such a big issue there are two things here one is the the foyer scheme and the uh, the the sort of reaction on the streets to that did we anticipate that no but the question of reducing the number of people being recruited and consequently reducing the salaries and pensions budget of the military that is something that we have been talking about for a very long time the salary and pensions budget has for very long been unsustainably high it leaves very little money for the running expenses of the military and even less for equipment modernization so there was always this feeling and this anticipation that something has to be done to reduce the manpower budget and now what the government is being very careful and treading carefully around sort of the the cause of this four year thing but in fact the main cause is to reduce the pension budget and therefore have more money left for equipment modernization if for, for some reason the government doesn't want to come out and up front and say it 
because it sounds as if there's a very mercenary motive to this. But that is the reason. And if that is all that comes out of this, it will be a good step. So, so what is your sense? I mean, uh, you know, will this create uh, two categories of soldiers for a while at least, you know, a one which may be getting uh, a higher salary or better perks and will get pension. And, uh, you know, uh, those who come through the Agdipat scheme, they will be in, in another category. Uh, yes, that's exactly what will happen. The uh, people who will be coming and uh, getting recruited now under the Agnipat scheme, the so-called Agnivirs, they will be in a lower salary bracket. They will be, uh, it will be clear uh, in the units where they serve that this lot of people will not be entitled to draw pensions. And to that extent, there will be a sort of a discriminatory relationship between the two types. But uh, over a period of time, as the number of people who come in under Agnipath increase and uh, one-fourth of each batch is retained in service, there will be gradually a larger number of people who are coming in under Agnipath and who will be retained in service. And uh, to that extent, the sort of discriminatory nature of this uh, scheme and uh, the discriminatory nature of the manpower structure within the units will gradually dissipate. Ajay, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the fact that um, expenditure is in a sense out of control as for, for salaries and pensions especially. But we also know that the BJP government came to power, you know, uh, promising to fulfill uh, all the demands of one rank, one pension, all the anomalies that existed. And they have in a sense, you know, very consistently championed, uh, you know, the need for, you know, strong India, stronger armed forces. But when this discrimination not sort of dent that kind of image that the government has? Well, you know, the government is, and I, I mentioned this earlier, sort of shuffling its feet and trying to sort of almost hide the motives behind what is, what is being done under the Agni Pat scheme. And, uh, you know, there really is no need to, to be apologetic about it but the government and in this sense it has been the same pattern of behavior that we saw when the demonetization took place the government is sort of not being entirely upfront over there and not sort of uh, giving the reasons for why it is doing what it is doing i think some of the anger comes from that people don't like being lied to so you know that that's one aspect of this entire thing that is a little bit mystifying. So would you, I mean, the government says that, you know, they've been considering this scheme for some time now. And, uh, you know, a large number of people from the military have been fielded. We also saw uh, or heard the National Security Advisor, Ajit Doval, uh, speak about the scheme. So if there was to have been consultation, you know, which is beyond, say, government circles or the military leadership, you know, where should this consultation have happened? Oh, well, this consultation should have taken place instead of, you know, at this stage of the proceedings when the streets are aflame to put forward the generals and ask them to explain the scheme to the people. That, that's not the way it should have been done. But your question is a, is a very valid one. At what stage should they have made uh, done the consultations? Uh, and I feel that as soon as the scheme had been prepared, and sort of finalized and its various modalities uh, sort of come to light and 
sort of had it had become clear as to how the scheme would play out at that stage they should have come out they should have had consultations with the various political parties the opposition parties particularly and i'm sure uh, you know the congress party when it was in power it was facing the same problems of manpower and pensions and the salary structures being too high but at every stage in in various schemes and i've i've already cited the sort of demonetization the opposition has not been kept in the picture and therefore it has felt it within its rights to oppose the the scheme and that is what is happening i think that right from the start as soon as the decisions were taken to take to implement the scheme consultation should have begun at all levels of the public discourse and do you think there could have been any consultation with the people actually who were preparing and you know we, you know you see a large number of rural youth uh, you know uh, training uh, for uh, obviously joining the army so you think there could have been some consultation with these people as well i don't know through training academies i mean could there have been a reach out to these people as well amit you you're right in what you're implying which is that they would have seen it as a reducing of the opportunities available to them the size of the pie decreasing as it were but i think that uh, we tend to underestimate the wisdom of the common man if it had been explained properly if it had been told to them that this is uh, inescapable that there are national security sort of reasons for doing what we are doing i think that people would have gradually come around to to accepting the scheme but if you start from the assumption that you know we will not discuss this for the simple reason that you know there that opposition is inevitable and we will always run into opposition so let's do it you know by the back door it's not going to work and that we are seeing it the resistance mounting once again ajay the indian express newspaper carries an interview with the vice chief of army staff which basically says that this could be considered as a pilot project you know the current round of recruitment and there would be tweaks to the scheme so is that an admission of the problems even before the first batch of people under agnipath come in yeah this is uh, what you're seeing is backtracking you're seeing foot pedaling foot shuffling as the sort of government is now trying to to sort of uh, make the scheme sound something other than what it really is which is a manpower reduction scheme and uh, what is worse is that the generals are being put forward and asked to carry the can for for you know what is essentially a political decision so i'm very disappointed that within the military there has not been sort of more of a sort of a discussion and a debate on this and that the generals are sort of were essentially given a clear mandate about what to do but now it's being made to sort of appear as if they had chosen chosen the path to follow and the the fault therefore lies with them so i i'm i'm not sort of happy with this mode of functioning one of the things ajay being said is that uh, you know now there will be this all india recruitment and it will not be uh, you know a region or caste based uh, that is also something which the agnipath promises can you tell us how many uh, you know caste based regiments actually exist and what kind of recruitment till takes place to these regiments or did take place to these regiments uh, well the the sort of this story goes back all the way to 1857 and to the british realization after the first war of independence when the indian troops revolted 
that there was a great deal of resistance to many things that the British were implementing as part of the Indian Army. And therefore, you know, the, the British, when they managed to gain control of the situation again, they then decided to carry out recruitment mainly from certain sections of the country, certain geographic locations like the Punjab and the Sikh Empire, which had supported them all through the First War of Independence, supported the British, I mean, as well as the hill tribes, the Garwalis, the Kumaunis, and so on, the Gurkhas, for example, uh, who had uh, sort of remained loyal to the British Empire. So you, you found the emergence of these caste-based and class-based regiments, which became the, the, the sort of norm for recruitment in the British Empire. And, you know, uh, as a result of that, you know, the, the, the recruitment was biased in favor of certain people. And when the Indian government sort of became independent and took over recruitment, they decided that they would recruit all new regiments on an all-India class basis, which means evenly from different parts of the country. They counted the number of young males in each state and arrived at a sort of a measure called the recruitable male population, which means that if in Punjab there were, uh, let's say, 100 recruitable males, that means of a certain age, and in the next state, which is, let's say, UP, there were 200, then the number of people recruited from UP would be twice the number of people that were recruited from Punjab. Now, it's not yet clear. I, I've still to see a clear enunciation of what the new policy will be. But they seem to be uh, shuffling away from RMP, recruitable male population. That is, uh, that is, these are huge decisions in the sort of life of a military. And I'm waiting to see what, how this will play out. Ajay, uh, I mean, it's no secret that, uh, you know, India faces uh, many strategic threats. The one from Pakistan is something which we have been contending with. And of late, for several years now, uh, you know, we've seen the threat from China. And, you know, you have written extensively about uh, the kind of incursions that have taken place into Indian territory. So we've also seen the recruitment of a large number of soldiers in the last few years, especially to deal with the China issue. So would you say that these reducing numbers or a reduction in, say, the quality of soldiering, could this have any impact on, uh, on the efficiencies and the cutting-edge nature uh, of our army? Amit, first of all, they're, they're recruiting uh, over the last two years, notwithstanding the Chinese incursions, has been at a lower ebb rather than at a higher ebb. No, I meant before these two years, I mean, there was some extra recruitment, or, or I'm, I'm willing to be corrected on that. Well, before the two years, there was sort of more or less a standard pattern. But the COVID pandemic, really put a block on recruitment and, you know, for, for obvious reasons, you couldn't gather in large numbers and so on. Recruitment came to a halt. You know, now they are, they are going to have to make up the numbers once again. There are about 1.4 million soldiers in the Indian Army and uh, already there was a shortfall of, you know, particularly officers but also javans and that shortfall is now going to have to be made up by uh, recruiting people at a, at a sort of in higher num numbers. So that's what we're going to see over the next few years. The sort of form and pattern of this recruitment 
will apparently be according to the Agnipath scheme. But I'm, I, I, I still find a lot of lack of clarity in what the government is telling us. So the, the, the fine details, I think, will still have to be sort of scanned and we'll have to see how they come out. And the other bit of my question, Ajay, on, you know, what impact can it have on the strategic threats that India faces? The strategic threats that India faces are dealt with by the army in the numbers that exist at a certain point in time. And we do know that we have a two-front threat. Many would call it a a two-and-a-half-front threat, which would include China, Pakistan, and the Kashmir insurgency at the same time. So this, these numbers, 1.4 million and so on, they sound enormous. But when you actually string out these people into the deployment areas where they will have to function, there are 15,000 kilometers of border in the north and in the west with Pakistan and with China. There is 7,500 kilometers of coastline that it has to be defended by the Indian Navy. And there is, of course, the Air Force and the airspace that has to be safeguarded. So, you know, the strategic sort of challenges that are there before India, they could, they could compare with anything in any country in the world. We really have a strategic problem. So to that extent, you know, the, the recruitment of more and more people and the argument that is put forward that we have to reduce the numbers, there is also a powerful counter argument, which is that Sorry, but the threats are so heavy that we just can't reduce the numbers. Right. There's one thing uh, which remains for me to ask you. You know, we've seen uh, the, you know, a spectacle of, you know, private sector players uh, offering to employ those who come out of the Agnipath scheme after four years. Don't you find it strange that uh, while the army is promising to recruit some of them at least, don't you find it strange that the army itself would not try to accommodate these trained people in the first place? Oh, well, there are sort of three levels at which this is playing out. One is the the sort of number of job vacancies that will be made available by defense ministry sort of establishments, which would include the DPSU, the defense public sector undertakings, which would include defense civilians and so on. Then there is the vacancies that would be made available from home ministry and paramilitary forces and so on. Those, you know, the numbers of paramilitary forces in this country is even more than the number of military personnel. So uh, there are a large number of vacancies that can be made available from there. What we have to keep in mind is that so far, the home ministry has stoutly resisted giving even one recruitment vacancy to the military because they feel that, you know, the benefits of promotions and so on should be sort of kept with the home ministry. Now the home ministry has been leaned on by the government to announce that they would sort of give 10% of their vacancies to Agni Veers who retire from service. And finally, there is this sort of offer that we are seeing from various industries. Uh, The industry has never come forward so far in uh, sort of giving vacancies to the military. I don't see how they intend to do it now. But for now, with the the government applying pressure, they they are sort of uh, making the offer at least. So these are the three uh, sort of streams almost in which retired Agnivirs can uh, sort of be absorbed. But once again, you know, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. Ajay Shukla. Thank you very much for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. 
we'll be returning to you to discuss some of these issues as they play out. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Amit. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.